0: Morning's passage is taken from the book of James, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world.
1: Do keep that passage open. And let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth and its power. We pray now that by the power of your spirit, we might understand it and believe it and take it to our hearts and be changed by it more into the likeness of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you about a church. I've come to know something about it's a good church its biblical Bible teachings at the heart of its life the people listen well and respond well to teaching but the church is such a tiny minority in society that there's great pressure to to compromise and frankly The people are hypocrites. There's class prejudice in the church. The rich are welcomed and honored, whilst the poor are ignored, treated as an underclass. There's division, gossip, slander. And the church is worldly. Which church am I talking about? I'm talking about the church that James is writing to. We've seen that all is not well. The church is described as being double minded. This is a church that has faced trials, which James assures them are leading to their maturity and completeness in Christ. And last week we saw they're facing temptations. God never tempts anyone, temptation comes from our own evil desire. And wonderfully, verse 17, God is a giving God. He gives every good and perfect gift. And the greatest thing he's given, verse 18, is his new birth through the word of truth, the word of the gospel. God has made us born again, brand new people, forgiven Clean, blessed, a kind of first fruits of all he created. New Testament Christians, then, are the prototype of all that God plans to do when Jesus comes again. Now, today, three headings be ruthless with sin, be obedient to God's word, and be truly religious. Firstly then, be ruthless with sin. Verses 19 to 21, verse 19. My my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice how much James loves this church. My dear brothers and sisters, James is not browbeating this church. He loves them. He wants the best for them. That's why he says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We all find this difficult, don't we? It might be true that we have two ears and only one mouth, But we all find it easier sometimes to shoot our mouths off rather than listening well to others. And when this is combined with anger, then we have real problems. We should be slow to become angry because, verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There is such a thing as righteous anger. We should be angry with social injustice. We should be angry about sex trafficking. We should be angry about exploitation. But mostly, our anger is not like that. Mostly, our anger is not without sin. Mostly, our anger is because someone has offended us. It doesn't produce righteousness. It comes from sin and leads to sin. What we need to do is forgive and die to anger. But anger is only one aspect of the sin here that James is concerned about. Verse 21 Therefore, get rid, not just of selfish anger, but of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Now, how do we manage this? John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, were all students at Oxford. They were the founders of Methodism. They were very determined to get rid of all moral filth and evil. They belonged to a group at Oxford called the Holy Club, and they really were ruthless with their sin, but they couldn't get rid of it, try as they might. They just couldn't get free of their bad consciences. In John Wesley's case, he even went as a missionary to the English colonies in North America and preached but even then, he couldn't get rid of the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The same was true of his brother Charles. The same was true of their friend George Whitfield. It was only when they discovered the truth of the second part of verse 21. Get rid of sin and... Can you see it? Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This is the same truth as verse 18. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. It was only when they discovered the new birth that everything changed. It was through the fellowship of some Samar- Moravian Moravian Christians that John Wesley was first introduced to what it means to be born again. It was only when his heart was strangely warmed while listening to the preface of Luther's commentary on Romans that John Wesley came to be set free. What the first Methodist discovered was that human effort cannot bring you to God human effort cannot make you free from sin we must begin with God we must begin with God's grace that he's chosen to give us birth through the word of truth and this happens when we humbly accept the word planted in us which can save us. We can be like the Wesleys and Whitfield. We can try to please God in our own strength. We can be just as frustrated as they were. Even after we've been converted we can fall back into old ways. We can fall back into trying to please God Through good works. James is going to tell us there's no true faith without good works. But for James, as for Paul, grace comes first. So, can I ask you have you been born again through the word of truth? Have you humbly accepted? The word of the gospel? Has it been planted in you so that the word saves you? Are you trying to please God by human effort? Or have you experienced God's love for you personally? If you have been born again, if you have experienced, the forgiveness of your sins, if you have known God's grace, well now, and only now, only having been born again, can you be ruthless with sin? Are you responding to grace? Getting rid of all moral filth and evil. Having been born again, do you need to take steps to keep pure? Do you need to say perhaps, I won't go to that place anymore because it puts me in the way of temptation. I won't do that thing anymore because it doesn't please God. I won't live like that anymore because Jesus had to die on the cross for that sin. How can I go back into sin? John Wesley taught a doctrine of human perfection. He was wrong about that. We won't achieve perfection this side of heaven. We will be perfect when we finally see Jesus. But for now, we will always struggle against our sinful natures. But if we have been born again if we are born of the spirit if we've been given God's spirit we can begin to change we can change radically we saw that in passion for life one of my neighbors was appalled that we had an ex-terrorist coming to be interviewed and in fact Coming for a meal in our house. This neighbour had no place in her thinking for the grace of God. But the truth is that Billy McCurry has been born again. He's a brand new person. And he is radically changed. He's now one of the nicest men I've ever met. So if we have been born again, we can be ruthless with sin. We can be radically changed. So be ruthless with sin. Secondly, be obedient to God's word, verses 21 to 22 to 25. If we accept the word which can save us, James says to us, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How can we deceive ourselves? We can have a quiet time. We can read the Bible. We can listen to a sermon. We can deceive ourselves. We can feel pleased with ourselves. I've been to church. I've had my quiet time. But then, if we don't obey, we're wasting our time. Verse 23. Everyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Can you picture that? I always shower before bed, so I go to bed with wet hair, and I wake up with hair sticking up everywhere. I look like Ken Dodd, if you remember him. So the first thing I do every morning is wet my hair to make it lie down flat. So every morning, I have to check my hair is tidy. You'll have your own routine, which involves looking in the mirror, Perhaps shaving or putting on makeup. It's a ridiculous thought, isn't it, that we might look at ourselves in the mirror and immediately forget what we look like? In the same way, it should seem ridiculous to us that we should read the Bible and then immediately forget what we've read and go into the day oblivious to the bible's challenge god clearly shows us how we should live in the bible the bible is a mirror to us we see our reflection in it we see our sin and our failure and our weakness we see that jesus is our model We should aim to be like him. We see that God does indeed say, don't do that. Do this. Live in this way. Live as a Christian. As we can't forget what we look like. We should never forget to obey God's word. And yet, when it comes to bedtime, and I'm saying my prayers there are normally things I have to ask forgiveness for on a regular basis. I fail to do what the Bible says. I fail to live like Jesus. I have to come back to God, say that I'm sorry. Thank him for Jesus. Thank Jesus that he died on the cross to pay for all my sin, that I might be forgiven. I'm as foolish as the man who looks in the mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like. Often my wife has to forgive me. My children have to forgive me. Church members have to forgive me. And wonderfully, God forgives me. So shall we resolve together that we will listen to the word of God. Listen to the Bible. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, learn day by day not to deceive ourselves. Not just to forget what the Bible says. Not just forget what Jesus models. Shall we resolve, verse 25... To look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what we've heard, but doing it. Look intently. Be intentional about this. Be deliberate. Read God's word. Listen to God's word as someone who wants to obey. Notice that the Bible is the perfect law that gives freedom. The Bible doesn't spoil our fun. The person who obeys God is much happier than the person who disobeys God. Again, the interviewees in Passion for Life showed us this. Yvonne Edwards was an alcoholic and a drug addict. She was living the so-called glamorous life. But she wasn't happy. When she finally came to her senses, when she recognized that she was a sinner, she cried and cried. And now that she's been forgiven, she's so much happier. No, God is not a killjoy. God's word is the perfect freedom, perfect law that gives freedom. Obeying God is the only way to know freedom. Disobeying God is slavery. Disobeying God is slavery to evil thoughts and wrong actions and sheer foolishness. Those who were interviewed at The Passion for Life all did terrible things before they became Christians. One of them kept two girlfriends going at the same time. This didn't make him happy. But when you're born again, when you become a Christian, when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, you then become free free to please god we see this very simply at home if i give in to my sinful nature and be less than loving to to becca i immediately know that i've done the wrong thing i've immediately become a slave to sin the atmosphere is spoiled we've become unhappy But if I can be a good husband and father, we can all enjoy freedom to be happy. That's the Christian decision in a nutshell. Obey God and be free. Disobey God and be a slave. There's your choice. And then thirdly, be truly religious. Verses 26 and 27. It's become popular in Christian circles to say, I'm not religious, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, James won't let us get away with that. James tells us what it means to be truly religious, to be truly spiritual, to be the kind of Christians God wants us to be. James shows us two areas where our religion is tested to see whether we are genuine or not. Verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James will have much more to say about the use of the tongue in chapter 3. But for now, you can't call yourself religious. You can't call yourself a Christian and not be self-controlled about what we say. If we shoot our mouths off, if we habitually use bad language, we're deceiving ourselves about our spiritual state. God expects us to honor him by the way that we speak. We don't want worthless religion, do we? We want the real thing. Secondly, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Is our religion pure and faultless? We don't earn salvation by good works. We're saved from hell for heaven, for a relationship with God, freely, entirely by God's grace. We don't earn salvation at all. But having been saved, those with true religion will show the reality of their faith by the way that they live. And James famously has more to say about this. Are we involved in practical Christian service? Are you someone who just turns up to church on a Sunday Or are you someone who actually rolls up their sleeves and gets stuck in with Christian work? And then James says, we mustn't be polluted by the world. This is a difficult one because God doesn't call us to go and live in a monastery. God calls us to be involved in society. We're to be rubbed in. To society. Jesus said we're to be like salt in society, adding flavour, working against the rot, working for purity in society. The trouble is that it's very easy to go the other way for society to change us, when what's meant to happen is we change society. I'm sure we all know where we're at with this. Am I being polluted? Am I being polluted by what I look at on a screen? Am I being polluted by the way I use my time? The things I give my energy to? In my last church, I was quite poorly paid. And my pension contribution was covered by my doing a paper round. I used to deliver a a paper to my old headmaster. And we used to joke that I was the first pupil he'd sent to Oxford who ended up delivering his newspaper. The extra money was useful to us. It was good exercise. However, I had to deliver every kind of paper, including the tabloids including those with rude photographs. And it struck me after a while, I shouldn't be delivering these papers. It's incompatible with my being a Christian. I should be putting Christian literature through people's doors, not rude photographs. At another time in my Christian life, I got rid of my television because we decided it was polluting our family. These days, we do have a television. But we all need to stay alert. Am I doing good as a Christian? Or am I being polluted by the world? If I am being polluted by the world, I need to do something about that. It may be for some of us, We need to manage life without a smartphone. If Neil Parrish had never owned a smartphone, he'd still be an MP. It was just too easy to look at the wrong thing. You will know where you're tempted. I know where I'm tempted. God is calling us to be holy, to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. Let me wrap things up. What is God saying to us this morning through the letter of James? Be ruthless with sin, be obedient to God's word, be truly religious. Where is God speaking to you in all this? Let's pray. Let's take a moment of silence for each one of us to respond to God's word. Maybe that God is saying to you, you need to be born again. Come to him this morning and ask him, ask Jesus to be your savior and make you born again. Or it may be God has put his finger on areas of your life where you need to repent. Let's take a moment to deal with God. Father, we recognise that we can't be ruthless with sin, we can't be obedient to your word, we can't be truly religious unless we've been born again by your spirit and given new spiritual life. So Lord, please make that true for each one of us here this morning. Please would no one leave here today without knowing that they've been born again. And then Lord, help us, having been born again, help us to live holy lives, which honour and please you, in Jesus' name,
0: Amen.